0: Hi, I'm Ashley Stamatinos, five-time number one best-selling author and your host to The Rewire Show, where I'll be interviewing some of the best minds about how to rewire your sensitivities into your greatest strengths. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends. And please remember to visit AshleyStamatinos.com for additional resources designed specifically with you in mind. To strengthen your transformational journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's get to the show.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rewire Show. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. I have a very special treat for you. I am here, Jacqueline Strickland. Welcome, welcome. I'm Hello. So Hello, yeah, so, Jacqueline. This is so wonderful. I'm so grateful that Jacqueline said yes to being on the show. And I'm sure that a lot of you who are listening, because you are listening to a show about highly sensitive people, you are probably already familiar with her. But if you're not, let me tell you a little bit more about her before I start asking her some of my questions. So Jacqueline is a licensed professional counselor, a mentor, a workshop leader, based in Fort Collins, Colorado, and she has worked and worked exclusively with highly sensitive people since 1999. She co-founded the HSP, Highly Sensitive Person, gathering retreats in 2000 with Dr. Elaine Aaron, and just celebrated the 34th HSP gathering Endorsed England. Am I
2: saying that right? Is it Dorset? No, it's actually Dorset. Dorset. Oh,
1: good. Okay, good. I'm glad I asked. Okay, so Dorset. Mm-hmm. Good. And her background in social work, women's studies, cultural diversity, and she um, has a graduate degree in counseling. They've all empowered and informed her work since finding out about the HSP trait in 1996. Her counseling practice combines therapeutic orientations and coaching principles with her client's spiritual foundation. She shares her work with highly sensitive people all around the world via national and international retreats, workshops, and of course online classes. She's been certified to utilize the Myers-Briggs personality assessment since 1991, and she's a level two EMDR therapist. Jacqueline has been married to a non-highly sensitive person who is also an introvert since 1978, and she's the mother of two grown sons, and one of them is a highly sensitive person. So you know I have so many questions for her, but welcome, welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you again for being here. Yes,
2: thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the lovely introduction, and I just want to add that I've been married to a non-highly sensitive person introvert uh, since 1978, but I'm one of the more rare sensitive extroverts, so it's been an interesting combination. Um, I am
1: as well. I'm a highly sensitive person extrovert as well, and I'm married to a non-highly sensitive person as well.
2: Okay. Is he an introvert as well? Is he an introvert? He's
1: an extrovert.
2: He's an extrovert,
1: okay. So maybe it's not as rare then, yes. And I do have a son who is a highly sensitive child as well, so.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: So, it just, you know, of course, gives me so many questions to ask you. And I guess what I would really like to do is sort of start from the beginning, because I'd like to get some foundational information from you. So could we start by having you tell us a little bit more about you and your journey to becoming a leader in the world of highly sensitive people?
2: Yes, um, it's, a, it's a fantastic story that I love to tell, and filled with synchronicities, too many to go into on this call, but uh, basically, I was waiting for a bus in Marin County in May of 1996. It was a bus shelter. It was raining and cold, and I was in a bad mood, and I was looking around like, where is the bus? And so I was looking at all these flyers that were posted up inside the bus shelter, one that was all tattered and torn and damp and it said, do you find yourself needing more sleep than the average person? And I was like, "Mm, yeah, yes, I do. Do you find yourself needing more downtime to process the events in your day? I was going, yes, yes. Do you find yourself deeply moved by arts and music? I was going, yes. Do you find yourself being greatly soothed by being in water or near nature? And, and no, and I was getting goosebumps by this time, and I was kind of looking around, saying, "Who's asking me this unique set of questions?" Um, do you find yourself uniquely spiritual? Do you find yourself leaning toward altruism? And then, and then it said, "Then you may be a highly sensitive person." And at the bottom was a little tear off, and it was Elaine Aaron's phone number, and it was her. Looking for research subjects for her PhD, which then became the basis of her first book. So I tore off the phone number. This was before email, by the way. Went home, back to Colorado, and kept it in my purse, in my in my wallet, I think. And she had said that it was going to be a book published. So I got the book, and I saw myself on every page. And um, the next year, I decided to try to do a group here in Fort Collins. So I sent a little thing into my newspaper about, you know, time, place, date, what, how much, and thinking nothing was going to come of it. And I got a call from the lifestyle editor that week saying, could I do an interview with you? Because this is an interesting topic that's coming across our media wires. Well, I didn't really know what that was, but I was like, okay. So we did this interview and the next Sunday morning on the lifestyle page was this huge article. Are you a highly censored person? And so anyway, long story short, my phone was ringing off the hook. I did three consecutive uh, groups of research service and advocacy. That's the kind of um, groups that I like to run. And the next year I put them in the thing and sent them to Elaine Aaron. And long story short, that's how we met. And and the story continues from there, but I'll stop there because it just goes on and on. But it was just such a synchronistic series of events.
1: I love that and I was also really curious how you and Dr. Aaron actually met for the first time because I know that you do the retreats together or you started them together but I don't know the whole story. So if okay you could tell us you know this is this is something for all of you listeners this is something that drew me into you Jacqueline so much because I will also tell all of the listeners that if you haven't yet, and I'm sure we'll get into it a little later, or at least maybe it will be mentioned. But there's a fabulous movie out there called Sensitive, The Untold Story. And that is where I first learned about you, actually, which I'm surprised. I didn't know all about you before that. But when I, I learned about you from that movie, I felt very drawn to hearing more. And I saw what an impact you are making in the world with these retreats. And then, of course, I went to your website and learned more about you. But let me jump back a little and and give you the floor to talk a little bit more about the retreat. So, tell us how the HSP gathering retreat started.
2: Well, after I sent Elaine my little, uh, I compiled these booklets with the research, the qualitative informal research that my groups had discovered and our unmet needs and what kind of advocacy we were going to do around those needs, and I put them together with ribbons and sent them to her in snail mail because there was no email and said I was going to be there the next year or the next, I don't know, whenever, and I would love to meet her. Well, she didn't call me, and I came home feeling rather dejected and a little bit embarrassed, but I got a letter from her in the mail that said, Dear Jacqueline, um, so sorry I missed you while you were in San Francisco. I just opened my mail, parentheses. Sometimes I don't open my mail for days, sometimes weeks. Would you please call me? So I called her, and we ended up talking for about an hour and a half, and she um, Decided, you know, she wanted to know all about my background and um, my theoretical orientation to working with highly sensitive people, which I said, I didn't really have one because I didn't think there was anything wrong with us, but I saw it as a cultural diversity issue. So she wanted to know all about that and my background in cultural diversity. So we talked then and then we decided to talk later. And in between then, I had gone for a hike in Rocky Mountain National Park. And I was on the hike, and the people, the group in back of me, decided to get off the trail, and they were plowing through this gorgeous meadow of wildflowers. And I became incensed. One, because you're not supposed to get off the trail. Two, because they were pushing these wildflowers down into the mud. It was still spring, and and they were pushing them down. And I just had this vision of all these wildflowers were like highly sensitive people, coming up every spring, eager to share their joy, their love, their beauty, their uniqueness, and along comes some unconscious hiking boot that just pushes us down into the mud, and the highly sensitive person is going, how did I get here again? And I just thought to myself, we need to gather these wildflowers together and, and let them know that we need to create some kind of boundary so that we're not crushed every spring. And so the next time I talked to Elaine, I was telling her this vision, and she was like, so she was like, well, would you like my California mailing list? And I was like, well, okay. And then she said, but what are you going to do? And I she said, I, I said, well, I'm, I don't want to do a workshop. And she was like, well, you don't, you don't want to do a conference either. I said, oh, no, not a conference, not a seminar. I don't want to do any of that. I just feel like we just need to gather together. And she went, a gathering. And I was like, oh, yes, a gathering. Perfect. So we called it a gathering retreat and the first one was of May in 2001 and um she um our agreement was that she would show up and do her three-hour presentation and question and answers and I would do all the rest of the work which is held true today but you know 16 years later I don't think either of us thought that they would still be going but they are and um it's it's kind of along with their energy
1: (laughs) I love it for those of you who are listening or watching, because this is available in both formats, you know, when you when you go to Jacqueline's website, you can see about the HSP gathering retreats, their pictures, and there are full groups, so, you know, over and over and over again throughout the years, and it's so wonderful to see people coming together, and I love The sort of non-aggressive word of retreat—it feels safe, it feels inviting. So that makes total sense that that's the wording that you chose for that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Amazing. Oh well, thank you for that. What I'm really curious about, so, so how many? Actually, I'm I'm also curious. How many days is the retreat usually? Is it like a three-day thing?
2: No, it's four nights, four nights, Um, four nights. We usually arrive on a Thursday and check out on Monday, either after breakfast or after lunch, uh, depending on people's travel schedule. So we have four, four nights. And so we have quite a bit of time together, which allows a real sense of community and trust and bonding to develop. And many people make lifelong friends, Um, yeah.
1: We must have seen so much over the years and gathered so much information about, you know, I, I what I love about seeing people over and over again who are highly sensitive people, you start seeing threads and similarities among them. And I'm also really curious, you know, from doing these retreats so long, have you noticed that they evolved or changed or shifted? And I'm just curious, what is, what is it, does it look different now than
2: it did back then? You know, it 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 is different, but it doesn't necessarily look different. But what's different, I think, is one, my confidence, and two, the and the people who come now are more educated about what the trait means. They're more eager to dive in and more eager to learn. And the thing that's evolved with them that I think has just made them so so special is I've created these mottos like um, this motto of trust the process, even if feeling anxious or vulnerable, always asking what is there for me to learn in this moment? And most importantly, what is there for me? What is there, what do I need in this moment? So given what's happening in the experiential process of our group, what do I need and what is there for me to learn? And I go through that myself. And so I've had to learn to not be attached to the outcome and let whatever evolves, evolves. And what I found is, although there have been challenges uh, with certain HSPs, we're not all perfectly uh, empowered. Some of us come with unhealed wounds and troubles. Um, but I found with the co-creation of everyone's energies that often, most often, the result is just, some, it's just this magical experience for all of us. Uh, and every magic, every single retreat has been different. Um, so it's just a joy and a bit of anxiety to anticipate the next one. Like, okay, what's going to, what kind of magic's going to happen here? And absolutely, uh, will I be overwhelmed by it? Or, you know.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's, a, that makes perfect sense. That would be a natural way as it approaches. And how, how many do you have a year? I'm so
2: curious. I, I used to have three, but now I'm down to two. Okay. And I might go, I might go down to one because right. I admit that I'm getting older and I have two grandchild three grandchildren now. So I'm, my life is kind of switch shifting a bit. Yes. You know what
1: that's, that's like with the young ones running around, it is a little bit different. So amazing. Yes. While you are. In the place that you are, you know, um, as you know, a counselor and, and running these retreats and working with the highly sensitive people with, with us, <laughs> with people like you and I, um, and also so diverse and, and different differences among them. I'm curious. I have found that a lot of people are viewing even now with all the information. Some people come into it and they're they're fresh and new, but they they're really struggling with looking at their sensitivity as a weakness. So I'm really curious, you know, what do you, what do you say or how can we pivot, the listeners, how can we pivot from looking at our, our trait of sensitivity as a weakness to looking at it as a gift?
2: Right, that's an excellent question. And it's really um, not an easy answer, but I will say that it is a journey it's a spiritual journey from going, like I I have created these stages of awareness and acceptance around your trait so as you had said earlier that you were in denial about it and then go from denial to to being disparaging about it like oh I'm too sensitive, I'm too weak, I've got to buck up, going to actually acknowledging it, okay maybe I do have needs that are different than someone else and then going into affirming it which is wow these needs are these gifts are pretty interesting. I have something to offer uniquely to the world. Going into promoting it, but um, as I said, it's a it's a um, journey. Journey, and part of that journey is being aware of the stage you're in, but why you're in that stage and how. I know Ted Seif in one of his books he talks about the boy code. Well, I've also identified a a woman code and and an HSP code and a man man code. For example, you know, we know the women code. Many of us internalize messages that we have to be pretty um, and, but not too smart, thin, but not too thin. uh, Don't rock the status quo, put needs of others first. Well, the HSP code that I've I've discovered is, um, I'm just going to refer to my notes here, is... um, don't be too emotional, don't think so deeply, don't overreact, don't tell the truth, don't be so intense, don't challenge the status quo, don't cry so much, don't make a mountain out of a molehill, and don't worry so much. So, you know, I think part of seeing it as a gift is moves us through looking at these messages that we've internalized and challenging these messages Uh, and being aware of which ones are influencing our our negative self-talk about us. Like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. For many, many highly sensitive people, especially if they come from really hurtful, dysfunctional childhoods, um, it can be an arduous task to, to move along to becoming empowered and seeing it as a gift. But, you know, it's a struggle that is just so worth pursuing.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. And I love, I love that you got your notes out because the things that you just listed, I was just nodding and nodding because it's, it's so true. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have in my own personal life heard, you know, don't be so emotional. Like, just figure it out. Toughen up. Don't be, you know, so dramatic. Don't, you know, you don't need to process things that deeply care less, you know, so many yes. things you touched upon and and I know that I'm not alone. I mean, the listeners are going to be nodding as well. And so I, I thank you for, for reading that off or for sharing that with us, because it, it's kind of like when you first, you know, when you first saw that, that poster on the, the phone, the phone poll, you know, with Elaine Aaron's, um, you know, questions, and you were just nodding and nodding and You know, it's nice to to hear you saying those things. I also I I also felt it was really nice when you were talking about how I also sometimes don't look at my emails every day. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes it can be really overwhelming. So I thank you for even sharing that, which it might not seem like a big deal, just sharing that part of the story, but it feels so good to hear that. Oh, oh, that's another thing that some other HSPs don't do. Sometimes we don't want to open our email what's going to be in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. The thing else I find a lot of people approach me with is they know they're intuitive, but they don't know how to trust their intuition. And they're so stuck in that cycle of, you know, sort of being afraid of being wrong and sort of getting Mm -hmm. the wrong intuition. And I would love if you could speak to that a little bit and just sort of help the listeners who are struggling with trusting their intuition what can you say to them
2: yeah well i think intuition comes naturally for some hsp's especially if their dominant myers briggs preference is intuition for those who wow. who who it's not and that's just a few of the myers briggs types that are not intuition is not their dominant preference but it can be difficult and so I, I have this thing called um, a personal faith journal that I use clients and it, it sort of asks them just something like, you know, have, have them ponder what wants your heart's attention? What are, if you're a Christian or, or you pray, what are you praying for? What are you striving for? What are you hoping for in different areas of your life? And so then the next column is, what is your personal responsibility for making that happen? So, should it be making a, that phone call? Should it be uh, taking that class? Should it be reading this book? And then, and then taking, inching forward and trusting something and then waiting for a sign from the universe. And if, if you're on the right track, you're going to get a yes. You're going to call that person and they're going to go, oh my God, I can't believe you called me. And it's going to be a yes. And then that's going to lead to something else and to something else. So to me, in a way, intuition and having faith in smallest of actions, can actually be proven by a yes from the universe. I love that. And then the other thing is to go into nature. I do this nature as healer and teacher activity at almost all the gatherings. And it's to go into nature and to actually ask for wisdom uh, based on what what are you seeing, feeling, what images come to mind, what you hear, and just listen for guidance there. Um, that is a huge one for me. I always go to nature when I am really s- struggling with some some troubling situation. And then finally, um, I have learned to tune into my body when making decisions. And I learned this from Dan Siegel at a workshop of his, which... Uh, he had us close our eyes and he said the word yes 10 times and then we closed our eyes and he said the word no 10 times. So there was a distinct difference in my body when he was saying no, it was closing and it was contracting. And when he was saying yes, there was a feeling of expansion. So like now when I have to make a decision, I go to one side of the room is the yes, the other side of the room is the no. And I do get a definite sense of either contracting We're expanding. So when I get the expanding, I'm like, okay, that's a yes. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to see what the universe responds to me on that. And I just sort of play this game of of playing with my intuition and seeing what happens.
1: Amazing. I love that you bring your body into it too, because I've seen so many of us not utilize the awareness from our body like that, because you know our body is very sensitive and we feel a lot. And sometimes we want to suppress that. Like I told you I had done in the past. So I thank you for that tool. And it's also so practical and applicable right now. You know, all listeners, you can take away this, this nugget of amazing information in this tool and utilize it right now, moving forward. And it'll help you increase your trust of your intuition and, and know if it's a yes or a no and test it out on yourself.
2: So, great. Great. and then I'll be happy to share the, uh, nature as teacher and healer exercise that I've published in my newsletter before. I don't think I sent you that link before, but I can share that link, and then uh, the listeners can go and actually go into nature with their little instruction sheet on Good. just you So um, that'd
1: be great. Yes. Okay. So I will have the link below the video or below the audio, wherever you're listening or watching to this, the video or the link will be available for you. So thank you for offering that. That's amazing. That's a great contribution. Very cool. So another reason, shifting gears just a little bit, another reason I was very curious to speak with you is maybe the most response from people within the things that I've offered to the community of highly sensitive people, the biggest response has been people are highly sensitive in a relationship with a non-highly sensitive person that has been the largest response by far and so I I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and I'm especially happy to hear that you have personal experience but I know you have a lot of professional experience as well so can you give the listeners some suggestions on things they can say to their non-highly sensitive partner to help them better understand how we function and how they can handle us when we are upset or sensitive in some situations.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, First of all, I want to say, I know Elaine Aaron has a wonderful book, The Highly Sensitive Person in Love. And I just want to say, I've been asked true or false, do highly sensitive people have trouble in relationships? Answer, yes, of course they do. Why? because all people have trouble in relationships. It's not just us. So, we have unique challenges, but other relationships have challenges too. So, I don't want HSP's to feel like, oh, you know, I can't make it in a relationship, because it takes work. And so, I think how we function is that it's up to the HSP to educate their partner. First, to educate themselves early. Educate their partner through film, books, discussions, and examples, especially when the HSP, or let's say myself, especially when I'm experiencing something specific to the DOES, depth of processing, overstimulation, emotional intensity, and responsiveness a sensitive to subtleties. It's a, it's a teachable moment that I can share with my non-HSP partner about this is what it's like for me right now because I'm experiencing this because of this. And so I don't want him to handle me. I find that rather patronizing. I want him to respond to me. Um, I want him to, um, I, I want to be able to tell him specifically what I need in those situations. So the responsibility comes back to me to educate him and tell him specifically what I need. Do I need a hug in that moment? Do I need um, someone to just listen to me without giving me advice? Do I need someone to offer... I often go to my husband because he's so different than me, so totally different than me. And I just say, I just am looking for another perspective. I don't want you to devalue mine, but I just want another perspective that's different than mine to give me a frame. And so... Um, And I think that unfortunately during this process of two partners understanding each other, unfortunately there's conflict. Highly sensitive people tend to shy away from conflict, but I find it is incredibly important to handle conflict in a way that is honoring of both people. And it's not all about the HSP needs because the non-HSP has needs as well. to honor both of those needs, and, and something that I've learned for not, for conflict resolution that's been so, so, so helpful is uh, learning nonviolent communication. So I would encourage um, the listeners to check that out and to become fluent in how to do that. So when conflict does arise, you at least have some background and some tools to, to approach it. Um, I can tell you what a non-HSP partner, you know, shouldn't do is uh, uh, let me find my notes here because um, uh, we don't need patronizing. We don't need fixing and we don't need devaluing of our perspectives. We need to be honored for our different perspectives, even though they might be different and most likely are different from our non-HSP perspective. And then to somehow I know my husband and I often get into his way or my way and can be, mm, Right. You've learned to say his way and my way. And is there a third way? And to honor that third way and to seek it out. So
1: I love that. And that word honoring, it seems to be when I was researching about you, it's also a word that you used about retreats. Like you create a space where you're honoring the people. Am I right? Is that true? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Honoring weaknesses. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. And that's, That's a skill that we can all strengthen that muscle to be able to communicate in relationships where we are honoring both parties, yourself and the other person in the relationship. And as I'm listening to you, I'm recognizing the value of what you're sharing with us is also with your children, with your parents, with in a work setting, you know, sort of teaching them how to communicate with you and maybe also asking them, how would they like you to communicate with them and all of the things you said, amazing for being in a relationship with a non-highly sensitive person and applicable to other situations as well.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: So so amazing. Thank you for that. Oh, That's a big topic. And I want to ask you more, but I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave everybody wanting more. So, uh, something else I wanted to ask you about, and I love asking people this question, and just out of pure curiosity, I'm so curious, what is your dream for a better future for highly sensitive people? What is that?
2: Yeah, let me go to my notes, because I'm still hung up on the couple thing, but um, (laughs) it's years right now.
1: I Uh, know, I know. It's it's. (laughs) topic and I'm so
2: grateful
1: for everything you shared and yeah
2: we could talk forever about that we could and that's what I love about the gatherings is that many times we do talk forever Um, uh, I don't usually I go to bed early but there have been some HSPs who stay up till three in the morning and I go oh my god talk about overstimulation and they're like this is the once in a lifetime chance to you know talk for hours so I'm like okay just ahead but I gotta go to bed but anyway uh, what is my Uh, It's for for continuing accurate information and research to come out that continues honoring this trait, um, which will then empower HSPs to own their voice, to own their perspective. And then my big dream is that HSPs will, will eventually, some already are, um, I've worked hard to get acknowledgement for what value I bring to my family, uh, it's not always tangible. It's not always in the in the way of financial rewards or success, but it is in a way of you know um, empathy and compassion and my commitment to social justice and my role model to social justice issues and and to, for HSPs to get acknowledged as the healers and artists and the leaders that they are, the ones that are you know behind the scenes trying to make the world better. And, and I, I would love to see us get more recognition for, for those contributions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for what you are, are looking forward to and what you're working so hard to create. And I love that so much. And I also, you know, it's interesting because I I'm not sure that I realized how hard it is to get recognition and you know quite a few different parts of what you brought up about what you're looking to the future for i i can you just talk about that for a minute is that something that do we as hsps do we do things that are just not as rewardable in our society what 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 is that about i'm just curious
2: I you know I think it is true I think our dominant culture as most of us know put a great deal of emphasis on um you know starting very very early about being a good girl or a good boy adhering to the code and the boy code or the girl code or the HSP code and you know getting a good grade in school and getting a good job and going to the right college and making money and and you know having this quote perfect life and and success is defined in such a a narrow way. And, and I think that we HSP is one of the biggest things toward empowerment is that we have to learn to define success on our own own terms. Whether that means that I'm going to be um, the best mother that stays at home with her children that I can be, I'm going to call that success. Uh, I'm, you know, I think we have to honor different ways, different definitions of success.
1: I I just got chills. I I wonder if any of the listeners just got chills hearing that. If so, comment below. We want to hear from you. Yes, absolutely. And it's coming. I feel like the winds are changing. And, you know, you and Dr. Aaron and so many others have been, you know, building the foundation and out there spreading the word for so many years that it is now becoming um, so much more well-known, this topic. And like you said, a lot of people coming to your retreats now are more educated than they were in the beginning when yeah, you first started yeah.
2: them. so i love that. yeah and i think too my retreats um people come to them i think many of them come to the retreats almost unconsciously expecting to be fixed oh really to give them these um uh, tools you know one two three four five do this this and that and oh. and Um, you'll be okay now and really it's not about specific strategies so much as it it's about um, being in a group and for the first time feeling seen and heard for what you think and feel and need and uh, and experience and sharing that in an environment where people are you know listening to you with rapt attention um, and that in itself is healing for the many people have never experienced that before. Right, Especially those that feels like, and they're like, okay, I deserve this and back this now from my relationships and I don't have to be invisible.
1: That's amazing. I could just see all of those people staying up until two or three in the morning for the first time hearing Someone else having the same passions and the same life experiences, different, but similar points. And that makes so much sense that that transition from recognizing that they're not really there to be fixed. They're there to honor their true self and that others are there to do the same, not even realizing. That's just amazing. So I I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, as we begin, as we basically are finishing off now, which is actually way faster than I even imagined, um, I could talk to you for so long, I'm I'm wondering if you could share with the viewers um, a word of encouragement. I always think it's really helpful for the viewers to to receive a word of encouragement for those that are struggling with confidence or struggling with self-worth.
2: Yeah. I would just say that um, struggling with self work and confidence is part of the journey. It's part of the beginning of your journey. So just know that it will pass. Just know that with um, diligence and persistence in getting the right information and practicing um, boundary setting and practicing um, focusing on needs not approval and making these slow paradigm shifts in your life that you can get to a point where you feel like you're living authentically. And um, it's not easy. There's some um, trials and tribulations along the way. There's some grief and loss along the way. I've experienced it myself. And so, you know, for me, I have what what I call um, my own HSP inner sanctuary. Sometimes that is in nature where I'm sitting under a tree and the sunlight is coming down on me just after I've meditated. Sometimes it's in my bedroom with the covers over me, but it's a place that I go where it's just me and I, and I take all my struggles and all my, all my concerns. And I, and I allow myself to feel loved and accepted there. And for me, prayer is an important part of my life. And so I just would tell people that if you're struggling to, Just work through it because it's such a struggle worth pursuing and um, you can move through it.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm sure that so many people who are listening right now would love to learn more about you and continue on with you. So can you please share with us how the listeners can learn more about you and more?
2: Yes. Um, I have a website. Um, right now it's called lifeworkshelp.com. It's going to be changing to my name hopefully soon if I can quit procrastinating. <laughs> there you can uh, sign up for my newsletter, HSP Highlights and Insights, and you can find out about my online classes, like coming up is the Myers-Briggs with the HSP Overlay, and August. And then there's the 35th HSP gathering retreat It's going to be held in the Catskills of New York, Ooh. September 30th through October 4th. And I'm working on another um, online class that we often do this mo- We often practice this model at the gathering. It's called Integrated Wholeness of the Heart, where, which ha- teaches us how to avoid rumination and move toward more heart-centered action. Um, so it's pretty valuable for we HSPs who tend to go round and round and round with our depth of processing, but we never get to a uh, conclusion that feels authentic and and uh, empowering. So that's what that that class is about. So, yeah go to my website and also I should also always go to Elaine Aaron's website hsperson.com and she lists events there and my gatherings are listed there as well so
1: and the sensitive movie that we talked about that you were featured in as well is is you can can you is the link is definitely on um, the hsperson.com right
2: Yes, I think it's sensitivethemovie.com and you can um, download it and watch it for four ninety nine, or you can own it for nine ninety nine. I think so, it's so worth. It's so worth showing to um, your church group, your family, your um, start a meetup and show it. Yeah, it's wonderful.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I love that idea. That's a really good idea. Yes, download that, buy that, and put a gathering together. <laughs> Um, excellent, so all of these links, and you're on social media, you're active on social media as well, so I'll include your social media links below as well, so for any of you who are listening, you know, you have access to all those links, and I hope that you will continue the conversation with Jacqueline, and I'm so grateful that you joined us today. Thank you so much, Jacqueline,
2: and mm-hmm. every, oh, go, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, thank you. You're welcome. It's been really fun. And um, I love sharing um, wisdom and conversing with other highly sensitive people. So it's always wonderful.
1: Me too. Absolutely. This is such a pleasure. And we would also love to hear from all of you, your thoughts about this interview, any questions or comments that you have. So please post your comments underneath this video. And we will be sure to get back to you. We would love to hear from you. And we can continue the conversation there. So thank you again for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye everyone. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the rewire show. Wondering if you're a highly sensitive person or an empath, head over to Ashley to take the free quiz. While you're there, you can join in on the conversation with other like-minded people and discover fantastic free bonus content to support you on your transformational journey to rewire your sensitivities into strengths. See you on the next episode.